Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome, one and all, to Knife Talk, the only podcast. If you're into knives, this is the best show. This is the show you need to be listening to every Monday morning with myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and the master himself, Mareko Momassi <laughs> of Momassi Fire Arts. I think two of us are fresh from traveling. Um, so let's start, let's start with you, Jeff. How are things? I think you're fine. I, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on, we're recording early because I'm, I'm going to, I'm heading off to Spain in a couple, when this is out, I'm in Spain. So it's, uh, we're trying to hustle, getting a lot of piles of stuff done, um, before I go. Uh, one thing not knife related was I, uh, we had some, and I have some neighbors who are having their house in, inspected for, for uh, an assessment and they asked me if I would do a railing for them. And I, called in my old uh, shopmate uh john ledford who i learned everything from mm. uh, and we forged a railing and we installed it and it was so much f- we didn't charge them because you know they're doing their thing and they're actually going to do instead they're donating the money to the uh the new york the uh animal rescue that john, john works for which is far more far better mm. and the funny part was is we it was a simple railing nothing special three posts a cap rail lamp's tongue nothing to write home about we were fucking tired. We were so tired after making this railing, but installing it, I thought I was going to die. And all I could think of is, I'm so glad I don't do this anymore because yeah. the how, twist, how big? How big is it? I mean, it was like a, it was like a just about six foot railing, which is nothing. Mm. But it it's it started a landing and then it dropped at the broke at the nose and then it it was a nothing special railing. But it, but at the same time, the amount of work it took just to kind of knock it out. We we've made it in a day, but at the same time, all the bending over to pick up this and leaning over for that, and I was like. This is, I, we were laughing because we were remembering all the times we used to make railings and stuff, and we we're just like, "This is a young man's game." I'm glad I'm not doing this shit anymore. <laughs> Lifting it up. I thought you were in the best shape of your life, though. I am, but I'm still old. I mean, I am <laughs> in the best shape of my life. I don't want to fucking lift, you know, 45 pound railings every five minutes. It's just forget mm. it. He's twisting it and lifting it to to weld it again, and then to paint it, and this and that, and the drilling the holes. Ugh, forget it. So it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I did it. Now I'm glad I'm done. Nice. That's all nice. I got. Okay, cool, cool. Morocco Blade, tell us all about yeah. it. Yeah, Blade Show was a lot. I forget it's been <laughs> so. It's been four years since I was a Blade Show, and I think I, I I have this selective memory, I guess, in a way. And I'm just like, oh, it's gonna be great, and then I forget how uh, overwhelming it can be. Uh, there's just so many people walking around and all over the place. It's so many things to see and tons of people to talk to. And uh, I forget about that, but it was a good time. It was great, and I wish uh, I had gotten there. I was able. I wish I was able to be there for like Friday to Saturday rather than Saturday to Sunday. Um, just because there was, by the time I got there and walk, was walking around Saturday afternoon, there was work that I didn't even get to see because it was already sold and out the window, out the door. Um, 
but it was still great to connect with makers uh, that I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, Josh Scott, Oliver Goldschmidt. Um, I want to say Will Stelter, but I literally just saw him like a couple months ago. But, you know, just seeing all these great makers that uh, I have these connections with and these friendships with. And uh, Andrew Mears is another great one. Great conversation with him. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good show. And so many people came over and it was incredibly flattering and, and humbling how many people come up and tell, uh, told me how much they love the show and, um, how much we helped them. And, um, it was really, yeah, like I said, humbling, I guess. Um, and over 10. Yeah, well over ten. Over ten people came up to you and talked to you at the podcast. <laughs> plenty, pe- plenty of people. Wow. That's zero point three percent of the people. Wow. That I would say, uh, I would say, in just don't the say num- it. Say over a hundred. No, no, no. I'm not a specific number. I would say probably ninety percent of the people I talked to said something, had something to say huh. about the podcast and how much they appreciated it. Oh, wow. And so, number one, uh, it's because it's the number one podcast that's German Fested Planet well. and all the other guys <laughs> are, are you know, riding in our uh, wake. You know? Well, I don't know. Uh, Laren Thomas might have something different to say about that. He was on my podcast and I get all the messages <laughs> saying he listened to fucking Full Blast. Full Blast is the sister show to Knife Talk. It's like one and two. So it's like, don't worry well, about it. So he just came out with that new book, the Damascus book, the story of knife steel innovators behind modern Damascus and super steels. And he signed it for KH Daily, Kyle Daly. And uh, he signed it to my favorite podcaster. <laughs> fucking crazy <laughs> shots across Shot- the bow. Are you Dr. Dr. Laren Thomas, Dr. Laren Thomas, whose book, who sold all those books for him? What a fucking! I mean, I don't you think can't we sold make it up. <laughs> you can't make it up. I mean, listen. I guess he felt he felt he put obviously he was put on the spot. I mean, if I showed up there and I was standing in front of him, sure wouldn't have done that. I can tell you that. He would have said, "You wrote to Kyle. You're doing a good job. That's it, and that's it." I mean, if I was standing there, there's no way he would have written that. Sorry for you, um, but Kyle, jeez. Congratulations, yeah. Kyle. Yeah, the number one podcast in Laren Thomas's iPod. Forget it. Uh, <laughs> no, and it was good to see Kyle. I, you know, I kind of met him in passing previously. I don't know if it was at Blade Atlanta or Blade when it was in Portland right. or wherever, but it was good to actually spend some time chatting with him uh, at the show. Kyle? Yeah. Good Kyle. Yeah. Good guy. And, guy. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to Brigham Kendall. He won the bingo, the calendar bingo. Big, good on him for making that effort. He got the titanium one. It was sick. It's a nice one. He's a super nice. fan. He's a, he's a knife podcast, knife making super fan. You got to give it up for for Brigham. He's How great... many did he get signed? Well, <laughs> so there were only three makers at the actual show right. uh, from this last year's calendar. Uh, Greg Sims is usually there. I would have thought he was going to be there. Uh, there are a couple others that I thought might be there, but they didn't end up being there. So it was only three. But he ended up doing it and getting it. Bring so, him bingo. Bring yeah, him bingo. bingo. So he killed it. Uh, I think I'm trying to, I'm just looking at my That would be here. a better name for him, by the way. Bingo Kendall would be a much better bingo nickname. <laughs> Fucking Bingo Kendall. Come on. That's so much better. And then all because last episode, he says that people think because he's from Utah and his name's Brigham, he got 13 wives. Yeah, you, I you. If you're Bingo Kendall, <laughs> don't worry about that. It's Bingo. No. Change approved. Yep. Change approved. Change approved. He is now bingo. bingo. There we go. No, but met a lot of good people. Had a lot of 
again, it, it was great to um, not only catch up with friends, but meet all these people who I've uh, inter- interacted with either through the podcast or through Instagram, uh, but have never actually met. And um, it was really uh, reassuring because often, I, I think I've talked about this before, but I kind of like, I don't know if what I'm doing is really actually useful or helpful to people. And so, uh, and I know people like they send nice messages to their ad to their questions when they ask us questions for the podcast, you know, love the show and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but to meet the people in person and for, to have them say it to your face is a much mm. more, uh, I feel like more powerful experience. And so it, it was reassuring to have kind of like that sense of, or I, I keep saying reassuring. It's, it's reassuring. It, yeah. You know, it feels like you're actually doing something when those people are, Take, making the effort to come up and walk up to you and thank you to your face. It was, it was huge. It was cool. You and mean so, thank oh, you for nice. the podcast. Thank you for the podcast. Well, thank you for to, all you the help. Any, you don't need any reassurance. Nobody was thanking Kyle for the podcast You don't need today. any re- Let's face it. Morocco, you don't need any reassurance. I'm telling you, we're the number one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> podcast. You don't need any reassurance. Trust me. If I say it, it's true. Um, yeah, and I think the only last thing and is Did anyone that- cry when they came up to you to thank you about the podcast? Like, thank you so much. Tears in my eyes. You've, what you've done for me in this community. You have no idea. Crying. None of that. There were a couple of those. Yeah. See. See. There were a couple. Kyle. You hear that, Kyle? How was knife perspective? Does it get any tears out of you? I don't think so. <laughs> but overall, yeah. Even though you know it, it can be really overwhelming. The show was good. It was a lot of fun. Um, Again, I wish there were so many people. I, it's like fucking Brian House. I kept seeing him walking around the pit, but I was always interacting with somebody or he was interacting with somebody. And I never got to actually fucking meet him, which Ooh. was a huge bummer. I did meet his kid. Great kid. Um, Dexter. It could yeah. have been Brian. They look the same. Could have been Brian. Dude, it's fucking carbon copy. I thought I was talking <laughs> to Brian for half a second. I was like, Brian, you look really young for fucking 50 or however old he is. I don't think he's 50. I think he's his son said he's 43. 56. 43. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Dexter's uh, the one with the normal haircut. Yeah. No, he's it's Nothing good. Nothing Craig no. out of you, you little Nothing. bastard. That was Nothing. a good one. It's all down to you. All down to you. <laughs> So anyways, yeah, it was good. And uh, travel was good. I finally finished my knife just before Blade. I think when I recorded last week with you, Jeff, I was still like just barely. I actually went back to the shop to finish it. Uh, and I got it got it in under the wire. Um, and it was cool. It was good. Did it tie in this year with people's certifications for Master Smith and Journeyman Smith and all those kind of things again? What do you mean tie in? Well, I remember last year for I, th- I think it was at Blade. People were at Blade and they were they were showing their knives that they would literally recently just been certified for. But every every Blade show is when the certifications are. Right. Okay. So it did then. So okay. there yeah. were some new new. I mean, Rumble Rumble Jackson. He's oh a yeah, master Jackson smith. Rumble. He's listening. Jackson it. Rumble. Listen to this podcast. He's a master bladesmith in Australia now. I got to see his knives on the last day of the show, like the literally like the last hour of the show, and they were pretty fucking spectacular. They were impressive. Mike, Mike the Knife Johnson, he got a journeyman Smith, a good dude right there out of mm-hmm. Long Island, journeyman yeah. Smith. Yeah. Nice. And how can we forget Vince? Vince passed his journeyman Smith too. Yep. He did. Vince. Dreamer yep. Forge. Yep. Excellent. Henning Wilkinson. Yeah, Henning there are a lot Wilkinson? of great people. I think it was uh, like thirty people. Wow. At least thirty people submitted. I'm not. I can't remember. I think there were a few that didn't make it. But Matt there were a lot Stagmer of called it. He called. We'll his name pitch. them next week. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt Stagmer called his pitch. He went for the. He went for the Bill Moran Award. Won that. Oh yeah, he did. He killed he, it. He called his pitch. Love it. Went for it and did it. 
Yeah. Will won uh, Will won something for his marshmallow toaster or something like that. You know, like a forged like a marshmallow foil or something like that. <laughs> no, no, it was a, a marshmallow fork or marshmallow roasting fork. Yeah, hmm. you won yeah. something for that. Best of the rest. Best of the rest. Yeah. Look at that. Go. Holy right shit, Met Fingal. I can't. I can't. Oh, I, can, yeah. I did see. Yeah, you and the uh, the Dharma Steel team too. Yeah, and Carly. Nice. Dude, Fingal. I I don't know why. I was like, oh, Fingal's like my same height. Dude, he's probably as tall or taller than you, Jeff. He's fucking giant. Well, I had no <laughs> idea. I hate to say it, but it's kind of a normal size. Hey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm not six foot seven. You know, <laughs> six one. Yeah, I think, I think he's like six two. <laughs> okay. They grow up tall uh, in Ireland. What are you going to tell? What do I going to say? Yeah, it's the Guinness. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the Guinness. And potatoes. Yeah. Well, how about you, Craig? How was travel? Oh, so you know about my my uh, fables of last week. That was getting the best, over to, by the Getting way. over to the UK. Balls to butts oh. on the train. Oh, man. So, so. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I'd, I'd missed that flight. I had to get another flight. And that meant I had to go into London, not straight into Cardiff, into Wales. Excuse me. Can um, you start with the fact that you brought the wrong passport with you? Okay. I'll, I'll start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on. So we get our airport here is about 40 minutes away, takes me into Bristol, which is about 40 minutes away then from, from Cardiff. So it's not much traveling at all. Done the flight hundreds of times. So my wife drops me off at the airport. She scoots off. Um, I have a coffee, take, take my time, go through security, you know, belts off, shoes, off, all the rest of it. Um, sitting down there, waiting for the last minute before I show my passport to get, to get on through to the gate. Show my passport. Um, and she just said, well, that doesn't look like you. I was like, oh, fuck. I had my wife's passport. Oh, my God. Uh, I couldn't get a hold of her. I'm ringing it, but she's driving and her phone's off, so I couldn't get hold of her. And I'd waited to the last minute, so there's no way we're going to get home and swap passports anyway. But anyway, she went home, swapped passports, so I had to book another flight then. So the only other flight was going into London. And I was like, well, that's okay. I'll get into London. I'll have a few hours. I can have a nice walk around and, you know, it'll be nice. So I pay for another ticket, uh, get into London. um, And it's still another train journey now to get into central London from Stansted Airport. Um, That was, you know, it's normally maybe 40, 45 minute journey. This took two hours just because the train lines were just crazy. So I get into London. I'm like, well, I've got no time to do anything now. I just need to get my train into Cardiff, and that's it. I hadn't eaten, so I'll just, just buy some some takeaway stuff that I can eat on the on the uh, on the train. Um, get get into Paddington Station, and it's just chaos there. Absolute chaos. Thousands of people everywhere running around. It's it's yeah. It's like the Blitz has gone on crazy. So I'm like, right, I need to get to my train. Obviously, I I haven't got time to get food. So I paid 170 pounds for this train ticket. From London to Cardiff. And it's what? A two, two, two hour, 15 minute journey. So it's an expensive ticket, you know? Trains are ridiculous now in the UK. Get to the train. And it, when I say rammed, I'm talking <laughs> third world country. People hanging off the roof almost, you know? That kind of rammed. Um, so there's no way I can even get to a seat. You, you know that little bit in between carriages yeah. where there's like a little toilet and stuff? There were 16 of us. There's three people in the toilet. You were standing there's, next to the toilet. Oh, not even when I say standing next to, I couldn't touch any part of the train. We were all rammed in <laughs> oh so much that as we're moving, we're all just falling into each other. I, I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even hold onto a wall. 
Um, and that was, yeah, that was a two-hour journey what? like that. So Why did that happen? Unbelievable. Well, they, had, they were having a train strike the following day on the Friday, and this was the Thursday. So everybody was trying to get out to London oh. before the strike the next day. Um, so, yeah, so that was my journey over to, over to the UK. Um, I was only there for three, well, three, four days. Um, I had some work to do. So then I, I, I came back yesterday, um, and I had a three-hour delay on my flight as well. So I didn't get back in until about 1 a.m. this morning. And oh, it's wow. just like, ugh, for what is an hour flight, hour, five-minute, hour, and ten-minute flight? It, it's both, both journeys took me basically all day. Ugh. Just, ugh, just terrible, just terrible. So, yeah, so I'm completely drained um yeah that was that's the uh craig's traveling tales i loved it i have to apologize because we were <laughs> but p.s the messages you were sending me were hilarious yeah you know first class don't need to i don't need the wi-fi the public i got the first class <laughs> wi-fi and then straight into fucking england's a third world country and we i was breaking your balls at, but however Mareko and I are about to go on a tra- both traveling right now. I mean, with with oh, right, exactly. Yeah, you got a European for two trip weeks, coming. And I'm going to yeah. fucking Spain for two weeks. What kind of nerve yeah. do I have for breaking your balls? I mean, <laughs> you got it all to come. Yeah, yeah. it's like you know, we are out of touch. The three of us. This is the yeah. number one night related <laughs> out of touch people podcast. This is perfect. <laughs> well, you're not flying to the UK, so you, you should be good. <laughs> you should be good. But yeah, it was just hard, hard work. For you know, if we're going in for three or four days' work, it was. Uh, yeah, draining to say the least. Just real quick, you mentioned that tr- people, you know, trains are crazy in in the UK. Mm. Do you know that that I don't know if he's a TikToker or he's a Instagrammer and he and he, he goes oh. ape shit over trains. <laughs> that guy, I know the guy yeah. you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fifteen, seven. Ooh. He got the conduct one the other day. I was watching. I saw. Yeah. What's going on with that? So it's a kid. He wears a weird camera as well. So his face is all like alien. You gotta see. I don't know how you would know it if you didn't see it. By accident, but he's this yeah. English kid who loves trains. Let me pull him up, see if I can find he him. He flips out. He's, he'll run down us. He's like, "Oh, I'm so excited today! We're going to see the 4572. Oh, here <laughs> she comes! Oh!" And he runs into, up and down the fucking like a, the the the. He's running like a maniac. Yeah. Can you find I mean, that he's, dork? Yeah, I can't find. He him. loves no, it. So he loves like, the trains. Oh, here he is! Here he is! I got him here. Now. What's his name? Francis Bourgois, forty-three. Yeah. yeah, if you just, if you just Google the train English train guy, he's he's the. We got to get him yeah. with Big Jake barbecues together. The two of them, <laughs> baby Jake. <laughs> we'll have the two of them. All right, never mind. Two inside. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad to be back. And today I've just been. You know, when you're just so lethargic, you're just like, ah, oh, and it's hot here as well, which is nice. But I'm just like, oh, today's just been written off completely. But um, no, it's nice to be nice to be talking to you both again. It's been weeks since the three of us have been on the show together. Well, right. might be weeks after this. So we're going to talk We'll throw out some best of episodes. <laughs> right, we'll figure something yeah. out. Don't worry about that. We'll sort something. We'll sort something. Shall we do some questions? Do whatever you want. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. First of all, let's tell everybody about Even Heat um, because they're good guys. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. We also now. We also have great listener feedback, and we have last week's episode of Dumb Things People Said, uh, the bit sent to us by Falcon Knives AK, is back, at, is back for round two. We got a, a pile of nice. dumb things people said. 
So, okay, cool. Well, actually, let's start with a few questions first, then, and we'll work our way up to it. Um, who is this? Um, Hulahan Forge, I think it is. Hulahan Forge. Yep, I think it is. Um, how often do you guys make a knife just for yourself? Mm, I'm actually doing one at the moment, which is my which is my uh, Dharma steel build along knife. That's a knife oh, that I'll yeah. be keeping. Yeah. Oh, you plan to um, keep it? I am. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't made a knife for myself for a long, long time. I mean, I generally keep the prototypes of stuff that I'm making, but then you know, I'm not intentionally building, going out to build a knife for myself. Right. Um, you guys, do do do, do you? You know, I'd imagine it's the same for you. It's it's your sort of test knives and that kind of stuff. Yeah, occasionally, like for me, occasionally it's exploring. It's more for exploring different new processes or uh, pattern making uh, techniques or finishing techniques. Um, but I never, I, I rarely actually keep them for myself. It, it's just, they, I guess, when I think build, build for yourself, it's not anything that anybody's requested. I'm doing it for my own gain, basically. Um, mm. But I try, I usually end up selling most of the stuff. Uh, but I do, I will admit, I do have a pile of knives that are just sitting there <laughs> because I, yeah. I ran these experiments and did this pattern experiment, especially for myself. And then they're like, all right, cool. Looks great. And then set it down in a pile and move on. Uh, so not necessarily the most efficient, effective use of my time <laughs> or how to run a business, but um, that is what I, I do. I don't do that all the time, but I, when I do, I have a pile of them. So yeah, they go to the pile. What about you, Jeff? Into the pile. The, I love the idea of like, I got a day off. I'm going to make me <laughs> something for me. And yeah. that never happens. It never happens. Sometimes, once in a while, there's, there was one, I was fooling around with white G10. And I thought, I'll keep this one. And then as soon as Tony showed up to the shop, he's like, oh, let's put it on the website. So I was just like, all right, <laughs> fine, no problem. I also like the idea of, it's still something that I hold very close to the idea that you know, don't covet things and the next one will be better. So yeah, I have, I have some like knives that I was trying some belt finish out and I, I couldn't sell them and yeah. I kept them for myself, but like, I, I never go out to make something special for me. And then I, I always think the next one's going to be better. So I'm, I'm, if I make something real special and sell it, I'm just like, eh, good, good riddance. But I, it's an interesting concept. Hammers though, I mean, I don't sell hammers, but when I make hammers, like I do, I have a pile of hammers that I, I made that I hate, and I got two that I love. That's a different ball game, but it's in the same mindset of like, do you ever make something for yourself that you love? Mm -hmm. And the hammer, the hammers were for me that was something that I really liked. Yeah, yeah, that whole idea of going to the shop and spending a whole day without the pressure of anything. This, this is going to be totally for me. Yeah, it's. I've had that in my head so many times. It just, I say, it never ever happens. But um, yeah, that would be a nice thing to do. That would be the only time I've ever done that is because I really wanted to make a great hammer mm. for myself. Mm. Yeah, and I made a pile of them. And like I said, only two of them are worth a damn. Yeah, yeah. I've I, I, to go along with what you were saying, Jeff. I've always struggled with keeping my work because I'm like, I'll just make another one. Um. But it, it it does happen occasionally when I feel like I've really figured out something interesting and cool and it's the very first time I've done it. I'm always often very tempted to keep it. Or like not often, but when it happens, I'm I'm, I'm tempted to keep it, but I, I never have. That's better for you. Because I'm just like, 
ah, fuck, I'll just make another one. That's that's a better <laughs> mind. That's actually a better mindset because I've said this a million times. When you're making sculpture too, I used to have sculpture that I was just like, I can never get rid of this. I love it too much. And then what that breaks down to is the idea of like you're subconsciously saying, I can never do better than this. And that's mm. very defeatist. You have to always no. You can't covet like even the best stuff you've made because oh, I get what you're saying. You, yeah. you're, you're you're subconsciously you're like being too precious about you're it. Being, you're being like, oh. you're 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 making it seem like I'll never be able to do this again. Right. And you mm. have to have the mindset of the next one will be better. And then you it frees you up from being very like precious in regards to your work. Sure. It's like letting letting those yeah. Letting yeah, you got to be confident go. that the next one will be better. So what the fuck do I care? You know. Sure. Yeah. yeah, interesting. The, the I never thought about cobble, the old cobbler's shoes thing as well, the, isn't I, it? You know, trust me, artists are the worst because, like, painters and sculptors and stuff like that, they get wrapped up and then they put on these prices because they're just like, I don't want it to leave, and I'm going to gouge you if you want to buy it. And it's and it's a it's a it's the wrong mindset. It's for mm. creative people. You have to not covet your work, and you have to know that the best work's ahead of you. And then you have to mm. like it, it's very it becomes very freeing very freeing yeah and keeps you excited and in the game right. too yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. freeing okay who wants to take david hall's question? jeff you got this one yeah david hall says question i've been using loveless bolts with a screw equal to a 532nd drill bit what's the letter bit for 532 seconds everything i find that's the xxl isn't it i, <laughs> I find i find in letter <laughs> bits or i find letter bits are huge am i missing something thanks boys so, uh, a number of months ago, I was saying that when I was using the dowels for uh, G10, I was finding that if I use a quarter-inch dowel and a quarter-inch drill bit, it was too tight. And you can get these letter bits that are a hair, a hair bigger, a hair smaller. The letter bits only go to a certain size. Go to a certain size. I think that they start at like quarter inch or something like that. So like A would be, I, and I don't really even know, frankly, but it's not. It's below. It's not where it needs to be for five thirty seconds. If you go yeah. online, there's all these charts and it, machinist charts. And I remember looking at these machinist charts because when we were tapping holes, uh, we would have to know well what's the right size drill bit. That, that corresponds to the type of threads that we want to put in, you know. So you can get these charts, and then it'll tell you. And then the charts will also tell you where millimeters fits in with your 530 seconds, too. So yeah. it's there's all sorts of charts that you can do. And the other thing is, is you can also get uh, uh, gauges, drill gauges. If you can get a drill bit gauge, it, it will save your life in terms of, like, what is the right size and what isn't the right size. Hmm. I've got one of those charts. I, I think you sent me actually one of Chris Zepieri's with you know don't die written on right. it. Um, <laughs> that I've just—it's literally just attached to my, to, you know, one of my drill uh, column, you know, drill machines, drill presses, <laughs> and um, so it's just always there, you know. And it's you know you don't have to look anything up; it's just always there. And I'm sure you get them for pennies somewhere, you know. I just, and just, just stick them up. I, I tell you, I'm going to say yeah. something completely outrageous. It would our lives would be a lot easier if we were all using millimeters metric. Without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. But yeah. we we do do a good job with them with our guns. So we love <laughs> well, we yeah. love millimeters. Good job with those guns. We yeah. love yeah. our metric system with the guns. As soon as they have a three eighths <laughs> bullet, I'm ready. I'm going to be able to tell you what it is. So <laughs> Maritime Nice Supply okay. also sells those loveless bolts. Just oh, in case anybody's curious. Well, they sell everything you need. 
I find. Mm. So Maritime Knife Supply, they are a one-stop shop for anything that you could possibly need. Um, they, I think they are a distributor for even heats, um, for combat abrasives, anything that we promote, they basically have in stock. Broadback. Uh, Broadback too, yeah. Lawrence is a good dude. He's got everything you need. If you haven't got it, drop him a message um, at Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram or their MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. And, and I'm sure they'll get it in if there's demand. Um, I said they're the one-stop shop for knife makers, steel belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. Um, go take a look at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Good dude. You- Who's another guy to catch at Bleed Show? Yeah? yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. And yeah. did you know that, he, that Maritime Knife Supply is also sponsoring the Great Lakes Custom Knife Show? Uh, it is on Saturday, August 19th in uh, in Ontario. And it's a great it's a great event uh, for knife makers in Canada. Go follow Great Lakes Custom Knife Show on Instagram. Or visit GreatLakesCustomKnifeShow.com for more information. But there's going to be a lot of great knife makers there, and it's all sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. So, congratulations. Nice. Cool. All right. This, Uncle Sam Network, yeah. Yeah, I got this next one. Is Uncle Sam Metalwork. Uh, it says, hey there again. How long does it take you to finish a knife? Uh, production and production and one you might submit for judging say for abs or competition i realize each maker is different i feel like i need to slow down at times so i guess yeah from something one-off craig like you're talking about with your damage steel build versus doing mm. something production what how would you say time varies between those for me i mean i'm i'm not doing production at, at all at the moment i'm doing the odd the odd knife so that one knife can take weeks weeks um, but when I was, you know, <laughs> when I was a lad, when I was a bit younger, um, <laughs> pre-kids, um, I generally work in batches. So it was always hard to say, you know, this knife would take, you know, so many hours. Uh, but I generally work in batches, you know, at 10 or more. Um, and if you are doing any sort of production, that's, I mean, that's the way to do it, to speed things up. You want to be, you know, going in, change it, setting machines up and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, so if you're doing, uh, you know, a run of the same knives, make sure you're doing them all together. Um, but yeah, with regards to things like, you know, the, the knives you see people submitting for their ABS or competitions, you know, their labors of love, those things, you know, I, I, I don't think you could, uh, you could put a, co- you could put a cost on almost that time, you know, because it's, they're, they're putting so many hours in, but, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think, uh, you know, the, the knives that you've seen that people have been submitting this year? Um, a record you saw a couple at the, the, yeah, the show yeah. i mean how many hours do you think they're putting in for those things i mean i think for especially like jackson rumble's set he had actually two daggers he submitted as part of his set which is ballsy um and i can't even imagine how much time he spent on them but i think mm. he he admitted to me that one of the bowies he he submitted uh everything just went fucking perfectly smooth he finished it in four days hmm. but it's not just the four days and something to keep in, uh, in mind for people when they're thinking about that. Like, oh, man, a Master Smith quality knife in four days. But it also took all the time leading up to that, all the years of practice and experience and mistakes and learning how to fix mistakes so that <clears throat> he could properly plan ahead. And everything just yeah. fucking flowed and went smooth. And four days later, he had a Master Smith quality finish blade. Um, yeah. Uh, I think if I was going to make something like lickety split, um, do some sort of maybe a stock removal knife myself. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty confident I could build a knife like that in eight hours. 
um, yeah. eight non waiting for shit to dry and heat treat hours. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Active, active working time, six to eight hours. Um, that cl- includes like hand rubbing to a nice, like 400 or to 800 grit, like sat satin finish. Um, yeah, everything. Um, but sometimes uh, some of my projects take at least a couple of weeks, if not three or four weeks to build, depending on how, uh, how complicated they are when it comes to the pattern or the overall build. Um, yeah. And I, I think it just comes down to, I mean, it sounds like he's trying to figure out the balance between speed and productivity so he can hmm. obviously still run a business, but not sacrifice quality. But I do think, um, when you are speeding things up, you do have to make certain calls where it's like, how long am I really going to fuss with this? Um, because every time, every second you spend on it, every minute you spend on it add, adds more cost to the thing. And yeah, I don't know. I don't so, think Adam of do Uncle think, Sam's is, this is his business. I think he does it as a passion. Sure. I mean, I might be wrong. It's interesting what you said. And I think that that's usually not brought up is the fact that it's not just about the hours, but it's just about the time and energy it's taken you to get to the point where you're able to be proficient. Like you were mm-hmm, saying yeah. that, that yeah. you know, that whatever four days to make the master blade Smith set. I mean, you know how long it takes to become even get to the point where you can submit to be a master blade Smith. It's just mm-hmm. years and years and years and years. And then you kind of cut down on that. You know, when you do anything for the first time, it sucks and it's not good. And it takes so long to slowly, slowly get to this kind of passable state. I think it's an interesting concept. And a lot of it's because we live in this society that's very much along the lines of there's like instant gratification and, and, and abilities just happen quickly. I mean, you look at Will Stelter, it looks like he's 13 years old. <laughs> he came, looks like he came out of the womb and with a, with a, you know, with, with like muscles and a baby face, never shaved a day in his life. I mean, like hair looks as thick as finger in a light socket. It, I mean, he looks like he's 13, like a 13 mental, year old mental patient. It's taken him years, though, years to, yeah. to, to, to be as a proficient. And I, I, love, I love the question because, you know, I was thinking about it, and I think about it. I don't – you broke it down, Marekka. You said hours. I, I, I can't separate the amount of time it takes. I mean, when I say how long it's going to take to make a knife, I can't say eight hours because I know that to get the oven squared away and the heat treating, and I know the heat treating and the tempering – hardening and the tempering is easy so far, easy six hours. You know, of me not doing, of me not being involved, and I know the mm-hmm. glue is going to take ten hours. So I always say, oh, a knife will take about two to three days, but I'm not. It's not two to three full days, you know. Right. So yeah. and that's a bunch of knives in that time too. Well, but it's yeah. but it's just about the time of, of waiting and making sure that the epoxy set yeah. right and that this is correct and you know I want to put some t- you know tongue oil on the wood and I want to give that twenty four hours and there's a lot more to it. I love the, I love the, the whole idea because it is this idea of like, how long does it take you to become efficient enough to make this something really excellent? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are learning as, as I did and many others do by watching, you know, shitloads of, you know, YouTube videos, that kind of thing. And what you see in there is that it's that sort of condensed version of something being made. You're not seeing people waiting for their oven to to heat up and you know, you know that epoxy to set and all the rest of it um so from an outsider who do, who doesn't make knives that they see something like that they'd go well that looks relatively easy and and quick you know right. and um not knowing the the intricacies and you know exactly what's really going on there as well and i think that you know and learning anything new 
we're now used to just being able to find the answers super, super fast. And um, it's only when you really get into it and you sort of invest that that, that time into it that you realise that it's, it's a lot more behind the surface than just that original, okay, that looks simple, I can do that, you know. It took me a long time to stop using five-minute epoxy because I was so impatient. I was so impatient mm. that I was like, I'm going to use five-minute epoxy. I'll put it together in the morning, and then I'll, have it, I'll be able to carve it in the afternoon. And it took me a long time before I was just like, I'm psyched because I'm going to glue this up and I'm going to go home, you know, and, and it'll, be, it'll be all ready to go tomorrow. It took me mm. a long time to lose that impatience because I was just too fired up to get the whole thing finished. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Red Isle Forge. Um, I can't remember if you gents have mentioned whether or not you do coffee etches, um, but if you do, do you use fresh coffee every time or do you reuse it for a bit? before you make more uh morocco tell them the recipe tell them the recipe um so i usually mix my coffee well before before let's just because let's just i'm sorry for interrupting but let's just imagine some people are new tell us what the coffee etch is for okay so the coffee etch is used for getting a a durable high contrast finish on your damascus uh and so the mixture ratio that I always use and I'm, is a kind of a two to one ratio. So um, the the coffee containers I get are like they they say they say seven ounces on the jar, and you can get those at any basically any grocery store, um, at least in the United States and probably most uh, places around the world because it's Nescafe, which is a very international company. Um, but it it's of it's one liter of of these dry crystallized grounds or whatever you know the dehydrated stuff so i do a two to one ratio to that so i do that whole container one liter of that coffee to two liters of water uh i bring but the when i when i do the initial mixing up i actually i bring one liter of water up to a boil and then i drop the coffee in make sure it's thoroughly mixed and everything is dissolved and everything and then i take it off the heat i let it start to cool down and then i add one liter of cold water and I've started doing the coffee treatment cold because I get much more consistent results out of cold coffee. Um, now that, and so once it's down to, so it's, I, I've added that cold water, but it's not, it's probably still like 120 degrees or something like that. Um, and it's still pretty damn hot. So I, I let it cool down. I, if, if I can, you know, you can put it in, transfer it into a, uh, a container that can go into a refrigerator or just let it chill out. Like if you're going to be etching a knife tomorrow, then maybe you make the coffee today. Right. So it has plenty of time to cool down, um, at least down to room temperature before using it. Um, because again, like when it's really hot, like everything will turn black versus for whatever reason, when it's cold or room temperature, that's less of an issue. Um, I will say I just, finished etching that knife that I took the blade. I got really great results. I did it. I, I did an overnight soak, um, because it was an older etching. It was pro it's probably like four months old. It's old. And, but that's me being one, it's like half experimenting, but two, it's like kind of me being lazy. Cause realistically, if I, I do get 
also better and more consistent or uh, not better results, but more consistent results when it's a fresh, fresh batch. And whenever I've had issues with the coffee etch, cause it doesn't always go perfectly smoothly. I, I go home, I'm complaining. My wife's like, is it a new batch of coffee? I'm like, no. And she's like, maybe you should make a new batch of coffee. And I'm like, fuck. Mm. And I do that. And then the next day I get a great result. So, it, I, I think it, the instant coffee, honestly, is cheap enough. You can buy and make a new batch every time. Do you need to make two liters worth? I don't think so. I guess it depends on the size of the knife that you're making. But if you're making like a small EDC, like if you're only doing, say, uh, a pint of water, then you do just do one measuring cup of coffee. Again, maintaining that two-to-one ratio, and you should be good to go. Um, I will say... I think in those containers you get there are like three cups of coffee in there. Um, so, anyways. So the idea of coffee is it's less acidic than using an acid, it, so it's going to give a gentler approach. Yeah, and I um, think there's something to the tannins that are in the coffee. Oh right, okay. Um, Have you tried wine? I was just red I wine. Knew, I fucking knew you were going to say this as soon as you said. I tannins. mean, you're making the creme de la creme of knives, so you've got to get on the <laughs> as deal. soon the as you dip, said tannins. wine dip. First class Lockwood's in there. I knew I, it. I haven't. I haven't done it yet. But you can. You can buy wine tannins as an additive to wine, um, mm. if you want to mess with. Because most, honestly, unfortunately, most wines today that are produced on the market, they aren't just straight grapes fermented. Like there's all kinds of stuff that's added in to add to the bouquet or the overall uh, viscosity and the the visual appearance. All this, yeah, 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 all this yeah. stuff. And tannins is part of that. But you can literally buy a bag of tannins off of the internet, and there might be something there. I have no idea. I haven't experiment, experimented with it yet. Um, I, and part of that is because I know the coffee works great, and it's inexpensive. And yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just stick with a coffee uh i have heard people and i've seen results actually honestly of people using uh black black tea uh it's and it it comes Mm -hmm. from a tradition from japanese tradition they you they've they use black teas um to darken metals um whether it's not even necessarily for knife stuff just part of their craft or, or ornamental work um and there's something to the tannins uh, the tannic acid, to be more specific, um, that is doing something. But in what ratios and quantities and mixture, yeah, all that kind of stuff, it, 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 I have no idea. I will say, sorry, I, I should back up. When, uh, when I was talking about the mixing the water and the instant coffee, you try to, people, any, whether it's ferric that you're diluting, uh, vinegar, whatever it is, uh, muriatic, or coffee, use distilled water. It will always be a con, cons, that will always be a kind of a consistent baseline that you're working with. But instead of using, you know, the, the water from your, the filtered water from your sink versus the water from the hose that might not be filtered versus whatever source of water. Um, if you use distilled water, and this is a tip from honestly, uh, Steve Schwarzer. Um, that will always be something that you don't have to be, if something goes sideways, you don't have to think, oh, is this stilled water? Distilled water is a non-issue. And so that's something you should always keep as a as part of your practice of etchants and different solutions, um, yeah. for helping to create nice looks on your knives. 
There we couple go. Couple things. Coffee blades with the blade barista. <laughs> a couple <laughs> things. A couple things to add. I used to store the coffee etch in a container in room temperature, and it started to get a f- uh, like a film of mold. And yep. then I would f- mm. take off the mold, think it's just fine, and it was not awesome. I started refrigerating the coffee after I was using it. Yeah. And I got I get consistently better results as I'm if I'm storing it in the refrigerator. Yep. The other thing is the the vessel you, you were talking about the size and how much you have to make. If you find the right vessel for the knife, you're using less coffee. Like you don't want to make like yep. a gallon of it. You no. Know, if you have the right like I use everyone makes fun of me because I use this uh, beer glass that's a boot and it's the perfect size it's the perfect size for, <laughs> it's the perfect size yeah. i mean it's like for chef knives and stuff like that i can i, I can get away with le, uh, like a less than a quart of material you know stuff for it the last mm. thing i wanted to say back to craig if you could if you could etch in red wine and instead of the the contrast being silver and black and all of a sudden it becomes silver and like a red like a like a purpley stained red yeah you're selling some knives but (laughs) but the problem is i can't see craig you know sacrificing some of that wine (laughs) (laughs) you kidding me it's it's dirt it's cheaper than coffee here is it oh yeah you just show up to the car with a jug and you fill it fill her up fill her up with unleaded well that you can do that at some shops yeah they have a a, just a pump and you just are you kidding me Seriously, it's your own container. Yes, yeah. yeah. Keep it's like a, some supermarket. It's like it's like a growl, growler fill from a beer that market. That kind of thing. Yeah. Self serve. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, we're close to you know a Bordeaux here, so like a good Bordeaux here is is relatively cheap. We'd buy the same bottle in the UK for four or five times more. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the the smaller sort of wineries here. Um, they, they'll have just huge vats that they take to the local stores, and they have like a pump, and you you pump that into your own container. Yeah. Huh. Nice. Look hmm. at you. That's why they're all drunk. <laughs> somebody's got to try to etch in some high tannin wine and get some color. I think so. Yeah, the Bergerac blade. Yeah, definitely. The Bergerac blade. That's you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you take this next one, Jeff, because it's it's for you. I well, think. we also have other stuff, guys. Don't forget, we you got to we have, we have comp- we have uh, dumb things people said. That's really really good. Knives yeah. by Nuge, okay. our boy Knives by Nuge. Uh, congratulations to Knives by Nuge. But anyway, he was he's a retired police officer, and now he's a full-time knife maker. So congratulations to Knives by Nuge. This question is more geared towards Jeff. I found myself a Tony. Tony is my Tony. I'm. Um, this is Jeff saying Tony is my business partner. He understands small businesses, has industry connections, and understands numbers slash analytics and stuff like paying taxes, so I don't go to jail. I wouldn't be nearly as successful without my business. I, I wouldn't be as nearly successful with my business without him. That being said, I want to bring him on as an official business partner so I stop being such a mooch. Any advice on where to even start with something like this? This is some businessy shit that I normally ask uh, that I normally ask him, but I figured I'd try to get into the conversation with some sort of idea. Hmm. The business partner thing is really, really interesting and i started having the business partner just basically because i i was at a certain age where i did my job as a as a sculptor and i just wasn't really you know it was just hand to mouth and not really knowing how to proceed and become better and when i got brought tony on early on it was really to say i'm admitting that i don't know and i'm that i can't do it all 
I'm, I, I want this to be successful and I'm going to get someone new. The only way a business partner relationship works is if you offer them a percentage of the company and you can't treat them like your employee. You have to treat them like a person who is valuable to the business and you're giving them a degree of equity in the company and it's going to allow them to um, have a reason to work hard to stay on. If they, he does well and you do well, y'all do well. Mm-hmm. The only problem is is people get hot and bothered to find someone quickly as opposed to finding someone who is in it for the long haul. I've known Tony for a long time. We worked together for a long time. And it's, I'm very grateful. I'm like knocking on wood and it's not an easy thing to find someone that you trust and you like, and it's been working. He and I have been together with this for seven or eight years. And now we're kicking in, kicking in a heart, you know, now we're starting to meet some, some of the long-term goals we wanted. So I, my suggestion would be is find someone that you trust, really, really think it over and then offer them a piece of the action because and it might not just be like at first it was like you know and then we had a business contract and we had lawyers involved and we you know he's this is not like you know i declare bankruptcy and like uh, from the office this is like you know it's a real thing you know (laughs) bankruptcy yeah i mean look yeah you know i talked to i talked to josh uh josh smith a couple of years before he started Montana Knife Company, he called me up because he was listening to this podcast and I was talking to my business partner and he called me up. We talked for a long time, business partner, and I explained to him, like, here's how it works. And I felt, you know, like the hardest part with creative people is giving up that degree of freedom. And it's also the hard is part. Is freedom is to, or the control? Well, freedom and control. If he, okay. I mean, not freedom. I mean, well, yeah, freedom to a certain degree. I mean, now I have, I have someone to, you know, to report to as well. Like mm-hmm. I can't. What'd you do last month? I just fucking went fishing last month. Oh, you know, it's like why am I working so hard if you're not doing anything? Like he, I have to, you know, I treat him like a, I treat him like a co, like a coworker, but at the same, like a coworker and someone who's valuable to this company. And if he has an idea, I listen to it, and you know, it's a good thing. But uh, yeah, in order for them to be serious, because the other thing is, is like a lot of these guys are just like it's, it's hard, especially with this business where maybe you're not pulling in that much money for to have someone quit their job to become a business partner you got to offer them something piece the action and then something yeah sounds right to me yep so okay then let's just tell everybody about combat and then we'll go with um what have we got we stupid things people stupid say stupid people things stupid things we're, we're turning into a, into a shit radio show no, basically well, aren't we? <laughs> here's the thing it's but not stupid people think i mean yeah i i, I dumbed hey it. you heard something silly today call in tell us what you've heard today i i dumbed <laughs> it the it was too hard to make it when i put on the stories i i can't remember it off paragraph you know i wanted to yeah, just be like ah, yeah. tell me what some dumb thing someone said to you but it's stupid things that people say to you when you're at a knife show or at a market or you know, so it's all market related. It's all. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Back in just a second. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. Okay. 
What are people being saying? So this idea came from Falcon Knives AK from a couple of weeks ago of like, you know, it'd be funny to, to, for people to write in if you're at a knife show, if you're at a market, or if you're at one of these things where you have a table and you're talking to people who are not knife makers, the dumb things people say. Last week was great, and this week is even, even better. So Jeff Jackson, who I think met you, Mareko, at, at Blade Show, this is directly mm. from Blade Show. He goes, okay. he goes. Uh, I think his anvil works is his, his Instagram. And he goes... Listening to you guys talking about all the dumb things people say at Blade Show, and all I can do is replay every fucking freaking conversation I had at Blade Show, terrified that something I said is going to be said on the next week's episode. <laughs> I'm so paranoid. Thanks a lot. It was my first Blade Show, and I'm sure I was a dorky little fangirl more than once. So, Jeff Jackson, we are with you. Dude, yeah, no, man. I did meet him. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, come on. Listen, you know what? If somebody said, yeah, Jeff Jackson came up to me, he said something stupid, I would have blanked your name out. Don't worry about that. So don't worry about that. I wouldn't have said it 100%. But I didn't, obviously, we're just, you know, it's, you did a good job. You did a good job. Thank you for submitting that so quickly, too. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Um, That is funny. Uh, Devil's Hollow Forge says, dumb people's things, uh, some people... Dumb shit people say, I had finished a big feathered Damascus Bowie. Someone asked me, is that a, is, asked me, is this totally Austin Henley's, Hensley's fault? He says, what kind of feather did you use to make that pattern? His viral feather video of him burning a feather. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Onto a hot knife billet apparently is taken way too literal by the general public. I don't know who this is. But I no. guess somebody made a video where he melted a, you burned a, a feather on a, on a blade on a billet, and then they he, he flash flash forwarded to being a feather Damascus. So this guy thought maybe that's how you make it. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't have read that one. All right, uh, Jordan Kepler says, "Hey, what's up, guys? Here's dumb things people say. I was at an off-road expo show, uh, show selling knives and doing demos three weeks ago. A gentleman came to my booth." He was checking out all my knives, and he said he really liked all my blades and thought my style was cool. Then he goes to say, and I quote, Your blades are way better than all the crap bladesmiths that film on that stupid show Forge and Fire. And then he goes, and then, and then, the, and then uh, Jordan says, Having just one episode of Forge and Fire, I just stood there <laughs> looking at the guy, like trying to politely to tell him to go fuck himself. Uh, maybe I should have just used Jeff's I'm with you. How funny is that? He's like, oh, those fucking people on Forge of Fire, and, and he's he's right there. Yeah, I was, I want it. Yeah. <laughs> so brilliant, so funny. Uh, here's a good one. Drek Metalwork says something a lady said to me at a craft show. The lady's looking at the table of knives. He's looking at the table of knives, and she turns to him and she says, "What are these?" <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Drek goes, uh, bookmarks mostly, and he, she's he obviously he's being, he's joking, and yeah, the lady goes, yeah. oh I don't read at all. 
Oh my god! <laughs> Clearly, and it walks off, and I walks. Oh, I don't really read, and it walks off. <laughs> I still don't know if it was the greatest improv bit between two strangers of all time, or you know, an idiot. <laughs> Can you oh, believe that? That is brilliant. That is the yeah. best. Uh, that is the best. What are these for? Oh, for, for but they're bookmarks. Uh, oh, I don't read. <laughs> So I've never been to Blade. So what what kind of people go? Is it mainly makers that go there looking at other makers' work, or do you get like uh, collectors? I assume as well. But you just get like the public coming in as well. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, the goal is that it is a lot of collectors and buyers and public who are going to buy the work because if it's all makers, Mm. (laughs) we're not selling very much there. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. yeah, So it's there. There is a there are a lot of interesting people. That end up going to the show. But, we'll just but, say that. But the majority of people are, I would say, I mean, I hate to say it, but the majority of people are in the industry. Because if you look mm. at over half of the half of the booths are material supplies and grinder machines and mm. you know all yeah. the you know all the stuff for making. Right. But I would think that the majority of people who go to Blade Show are in the maker community. I think there's a good number of them that are. Um, but I also think there are, I mean, out because they, the, the attendance numbers, uh, at least that Blade boasts are, the ticket sales are like in the tens of thousands. Huh. Those wow. are not all makers, hmm. but yeah. they're, I, I'll tell you what, what, at one point I was standing there talking to Walter Sorrells, uh, who was at the booth with me and I was, and we, and it was like me and Walter and Josh, uh, Prince and Neil Kamimura and Charles Ellis all had this. like stuff in this booth. Like it's you name dropping. Go ahead. And so it was, it was a good group of people, a lot of great work on these stands and they're rotating. It looks nice. And this wasn't the kind of situation where you would walk up and touch a knife or pick a knife up. Right. Um, because mm. it's kind of like, it's a, it would be a hairy situation to try to do that. Um, but people kept trying to do it. Um, and at one point, some ding-dong walked up. I think the battery had died on my little like rotating table. And he like pinched the knife in the hollow and was like stroking it just with his index finger and thumb. And I was like, I was standing there talking to Walter Sorrell, and I was like, some people are so fucking stupid. Like, what? What the fuck does that guy even think he's doing? Just diddling your knife. He just—I know that's exactly it. He's just like jacking off my knife. Oh, <laughs> what easy. The All right, fuck Jesus Christ. Doing? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> diddling was fine, but you know. <laughs> and he agreed. It was great. I was like, oh, that's a nice moment. Yeah. With me. <laughs> nice to meet you, Walter Shores. I'm glad we're on the same page. People are stupid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I don't know how you do it. I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Uh, what was I going to say? You were going to mention. Oh, I still don't understand why Blade Show doesn't like try to get more people from the culinary world coming. I, I, don't, it sh- I feel like it should. Be, it's. I mean, obviously, you, the attendance levels are awesome, and everyone's there. But it's like, I just don't know if they're like. I feel like chefs should be showing up to this thing. You know. Well, I think that while there are a lot of makers there that make culinary knives. They're still a very small faction. There's like okay. it's maybe like five percent. Really? Yeah. That low? Huh. Wow. That's surprising. Did you? Did, I love seeing the videos of like as soon as they open the door and people running towards Microtech to get the get them switchblades or something like that. <laughs> My favorite was when <laughs> somebody was yelling "No running!" <laughs> like they were really? like kid, yeah, like there were kids in a hallway running next to a pool or something like that. No running. Children, no running. 
So, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Third Hill Custom says, a guy walks up to my table, grabs a not-so-cheap knife, looks me dead in the eyes, and says, I'll be right back with this. <laughs> that's not a good thing to say. No. <laughs> he um, steps away to show his wife. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to be... Oh, unbelievable. Paul Jansen says, good old Paul Jansen says, on the, the list of dumb things I had, say, I had someone say to me, I had uh, I had someone ask me about a knife, and so I started to ask about what they wanted it for and what it could, um, and if it was something that I could do or not. They wanted to know if they could make a if he could make a knife. He wanted to know if they could do. I gave them a rough estimate of what it would cost, and apparently he didn't like it because um, then they asked, "Well, how much would it cost if I came over and did the work myself?" <laughs> They legitimately <laughs> thought that I was going to invite them over and let them use all my stuff to make a knife. Needless to say, they didn't get their knife. I Do you just send an email that. back and say, uh, you can't come to my shop, but I can give you a list of tools and shell out you know, tens of thousands of dollars of equipment to make the same knife? Yeah. I just had someone say to me, uh, you know, I'm doing all these reclaimed cleavers. Uh, that's one more Tony. That was a Tony idea. Uh, mm. Reclaimed cleavers. Guy sends me a DM and says, Hey, I love these reclaimed cleavers. Uh, I was wondering what you charge to do them. I have my own cleaver and my own handle material. <laughs> and I just wrote back, I'm like, I just, you know, I don't, it's not really how, I don't really do, I, I don't really want to do them, you know? So, I mean, mm. I get them and I do them, but I don't like, I'm not, ta I'm just not like taking requests, you know? Mm. But I yeah, do get yeah. that a lot where it's like, and I have one customer, speaking of which, I have one customer who, is very specific about his the the handle material and he sends me shit tons of it and i'm like look it, it's work it, you know this is what he wants he's very sentimental it's fine and um but yeah that whole idea of how much would it you know could it be cheaper if i do it myself is that's hilarious <laughs> you know i you know what i'd say to them i'd say head on over to texasfarrisupply.com you can buy everything you could possibly need to make a knife um even an anvil Get them over there, texasfarersupply.com. Yeah. If they use Knife Talk 10, I believe, ten, Knife Talk 10, they'll get 10% off the full order. And then they can make their own knife. Beautiful handle materials, everything they could possibly need, it's all there, texasfarersupply.com. Oh, Marekko just sent me a good one. I, I can't play it because it's going to sound, it's going to hear what you sent me, what you sent me, unbelievable. I, I, so I just sent him this video that I got from hmm. the room, and it's all these uh old vintage like cleavers with these animals as the top part of the knife like the kind of like the, i don't so you're so it's basically a shit. cleaver and you're holding <laughs> it's like a imagine a fox and the fox is mm. the you're holding the fox cleaver by the tail yeah <laughs> okay i've got you right all right yeah oh, oh. actually i think it's <laughs> funny they're pretty funny <laughs> I, I i forgot to send that to you i was like what is this shit <laughs> Ronald Knives says, I got a couple more if you want to keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Brigham Kendall says, here's a dumb thing. Bingo. 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 Bingo, Bingo. Says, uh, Bingham, Bingo Kendall is fucking good, by the way. Bingo <laughs> Kendall says, I had some guy say that he was looking for me, even if he wasn't there. I'm like that guy. I told him, I told him, hey, I just missed you. Where are you? <laughs> it's, it's fucking big. To Bingo, I wasn't even at Blade Show, so I'm the I'm the dumb thing. People, uh, Ronald Knife says, number one, I think I'm funny. Question, uh, I got asked repeatedly at the last couple of shows, and definitely had to be 
the one thing people say that thought they were funny was, will it kill? You know, like Doug Markaida. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number yeah. one. Uh, then there's, um, but is it real Damascus? And I don't even know if you realize, but pattern welded steel and real Damascus aren't the same thing. Extra bonus points for the multiple people who asked about what stain about stainless mono steel knives. And then the most rage inducing thing someone said to me uh, came from two people, one of whom um, had a five or six year old son pick up one of my kitchen knives and start hacking it into a piece of driftwood. As oh my God. I was using as a display. And the other moron who picked up one of my cleavers and was getting ready to chop an edge first and it was crappy off-brand tracker knife. Uh, but how can you sell your knives if you won't even let me do a basic strength test? That's what the guy said to him. Oh my god! You wouldn't last. And he goes, just then, a basic strength yeah. test, man. And then he right the guy. So the guy, so the guy turns to him after he's trying to fucking bash his knife in. He goes, how would you, how can you sell this knife if you're already even willing to let me do a basic strength test? You wouldn't last long on forge and fire. <laughs> Oh he to bring his own two yeah. by four with him. Like, Dude, big old these rope. people are fucking crazy. <laughs> these people are crazy. But I got a couple last. More. I got a couple more good ones. Uh, uh, um, Falcon Knives AK, who started this whole goddamn thing, uh, wrote, uh, "Hey guys, thanks for giving my bit a chance, and looking forward to hearing from other makers." Here's a situation that was at an Anchorage market. Anchor, he's in Anchorage, Alaska. If you've ever been to an Anchorage, you'll know that there are people uh, who make some. Uh, there are some interesting people here. I had to stand in a market and had a furry. That's right. Someone who's dressed up as an animal on a leash walk up and whom Jeez. and who I presume was their boyfriend. The boyfriend was oh. interested in knives and was looking at my work. The furry didn't say anything because well, foxes don't usually talk. <laughs> I sell Is that what they're called? Furries. Yeah, you don't know about a furry? Mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm guessing a what it is. A furry is now, a person but, who yeah. dresses up like an animal and they behave like an animal. And they have furry conventions. How, do we, how have we not t- touched upon this? That's crazy. It's like we this to, whole we thing. We need to go deep on this one day. Oh, yeah. dude, it, it's like we're, we're, year, we're years too late to the, for this bit. But, yeah, they do conventions, and then people will make requests for, like, a cat litter box in their room and all this. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, and they all... They take a shit in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, ask for they turn true. Oh, they ask amazing. for litter boxes, and then they want to eat. Like I did a whole bit on full blast. This guy spent fifteen thousand dollars on this dog costume, and Ben Snor and I made the decision. We we're trying to figure out which person was weirder. But all right, so back to the story. So the furry didn't talk because he was a fox, and foxes don't usually talk. I sell a lot of hunting and skinning knives. And the boyfriend then explained what those knives were used to for, to his furry friend. The furry then be, began berating me by waving their arms and pointing fingers. I felt like I was in a fight with the Philly fanatic. Uh, oh, it was such a weird interaction. I was so confused on how to deal with the situation. Needless to say, I didn't sign up for the market next year. Love the podcast and making Mondays better in my shop. So the guy's like pantomiming. Wow. Um, Furries. Wow. I got a couple more, unless you want to go into something else. Up to you. Uh, this one's from DI Knife. DI Knife, here's one for you. Um, I was displaying my AEBL stainless steel chef knife on a table at a local gun show. A guy comes up to my table and asks me if the knives were stainless steel. I told him they were. Without provocation, he reached into his pocket, pulled out an inch in diameter, strong magnet, and before I could do anything, he dropped it on the chef knife. 
The magnet held onto the blade, and he says, This isn't stainless steel. After prying the magnet off my knife and clearly scratched up the 800 grit finish, uh, I remained calm, but I didn't, uh, and I didn't lose my shit. I showed him the scratches and asked him if he was going to purchase the knife, which he declined, and he said sorry, and then walked away. I should have called security right there, but then uh, I was still in shock. Still, since that incident, Holy I have not displayed shit. at gun shows. Jeff, what? why didn't the magnet stick? Can you give us it a lesson stick. in stainless? Or sorry, stu- why shouldn't? It did stick, why do yeah. you think this guy didn't want the magnet to stick? Because some stainless steels, I guess, don't aren't magnetic. Yeah. I mean, like I tell you what, when I was in a metal shop and we were using uh, stainless steel for railings and stuff, we there was one point where we could not tell which was mild steel and which was. Uh, stainless steel, and my boss was using a magnet to say, "Okay, this is not mag. This is stainless, and this is stainless." There is some stainlesses. I mean, your stainless steel refrigerator—you can put a magnet on it for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as magnetic, mm-hmm. but it's still fucking magnetic. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Finish. What were you going to say, Marco? I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, I thought you were going to like give a whole thing on why, why magnet, why stainless steel's magnet. It's got. No, I- Oh, I thought you fucking. I was asking I you, you. You're the stainless guy. I mean, I know. I mean, stainless steel. It's. I don't have a scientific explanation, but there's. You know, it fucking sticks. I mean, it's like I, your stainless steel refrigerator. A bag of six of that. I don't know what people people yeah. wrong with people. People. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, let's just finish off with this one. I have a couple more, but we'll finish off with this one. Chad Thompson says, my favorite one is, uh, you know what you should do? You should heat treat in motor oil. It has more carbon. <laughs> so, no, there you go. <laughs> stupid people, stupid things people say. Keep no. sending them in. Oh, God. I love it. Whilst we're talking about stainless and Damascus, Dharma Steel. It's the shit. <laughs> DharmaSteel.se. Um... They've got all the patterns you could possibly need. Um, it's a stainless Damascus. People are using it for all sorts of stuff, not just knives, jewellery, amazing, so all high-end stuff. Take a look at Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram, and you'll see the kind of stuff people are doing. Um, but they're really active in the, sort of the knife, community, knife community as well, and we're doing a build-along with them at the moment. So I know a bunch of you are building along with us, uh, building a knife. Um, it would be good to start seeing what people are doing. Um, so make sure you're using um, either um, what, what's the ta- the tag we're going to be using? I can't even it's remember. Knife talk build along. Knife talk build along, and you know, and hashtag Dharma Steel and all the rest of it. Let's see what you're building because um, you know it's interesting. Everybody's got the same piece of Dharma Steel, and I know they sold their last pieces at Blade. Actually, they had a couple of pieces, I think, didn't they? And um, so they've all gone now. So if, if you're not involved in the build along, I mean, I suppose you could still do it, but it won't be with Dharma Steel. Um, so it's not going to be as freaking awesome as ours. Um, but it'll be fun to see what you guys are making anyway. So, yeah, make sure you're doing that. But, yeah, head on over to dharmasteel.se and see the kind of stuff that uh, people are making. Our friend uh, GA Custom Blades, that's Greg Anthony, he got one of the last pieces from Carly. Oh, cool. So, nice. Cool. nice. I, cool. Okay. I looked up, I found a good definition between uh, magnetic and non-magnetic stainless steels. Do you want to hear it? Go ahead. Okay. This. Martin Siddick stainless steels. Most of the stainless steels in this category are magnetic. If iron is present, the crystal structure of Martin Siddick stainless steel can be ferromagnetic because iron is the primary material in the stainless steel. Martin Siddick steels have magnetic properties. So these are the steels that you would use for making a knife. 
because it has the iron and the carbon and all the stuff that makes a quality knife. Austenitic stainless steels. This says most stainless steels falling under this category are non-magnetic because they contain high amounts of austenite. Even though some of the material uh, like grades 304 and 316 have iron in their chemical composition, they are austenite, meaning they are non-ferromagnetic. Uh, they can me be made partially magnetic through special thermal treatment or uh, work hardening, which can uh, come can form ferrite in some uh, locations. Uh, this is why austenitic grains uh, grades display very slight magnesium uh, magnetism on any edge, and and has been mechanically worked, such as the edge of a sheet. So austenitic stainless steel. So so damascus steel. Just to be clear. Be careful what you're buying because they make both martensitic stainless and austenitic stainless. The martensitic stainless is meant for knives for making knives and other edged things. The the mar or the austenitic stainless that they make. And they make it in all the very uh, or a lot of the various patterns that they also make the martensitic in. But the austenitic is meant for non-tool grade applications like a ring, or a Zippo case, or a placard, or some shit that you're not going to use and put it you know turn into an edged thing that needs to hold an edge and maintain an edge. So it's the that person at the market just didn't know what the fuck they're like so many people don't know what the fuck they're talking yeah. about <laughs> well i mean if you look at you know a lot of kitchens have a, you know a, a magnetic knife rack sure and you put your knives up on there you know yeah, yeah it's a strange one okay okay shall we go back to a few questions anything then? you want okay let's let, let's do a couple and then you can tell everybody about the grinders that you have um so the first one this is actually for me this is from uh forge allard i think it is uh question for craig is there a possibility to put too much pressure while gluing using c-clamp and corby bolts uh i remember that you said a thinner epoxy film is better um than you know putting loads in um but, can, uh, but can you squeeze too much out uh thanks for the great show and all the rest of it um yeah, so I, I was I was speaking to a few epoxy manufacturers because I was doing some testing of various things, um, and they all come back and said that a thin film is actually better than putting shit loads on um, because you're actually bonding the surfaces together. You don't really want a, like a sandwich in the middle of just epoxy. Uh, but when it comes to clamping and gluing, um, I mean, you don't need to clamp hard at all. You're just, you're just putting the clamps there so things aren't sliding around. You want the epoxy to do its job. Um, so when you see people are really cranking up those clamps and everything, you know, all the, the glue coming out and that kind of thing, it really isn't needed. But but what I do is a sort of uh, belt and braces approach just to sort of protect against that is the inside of scales. I'll put a couple of little divots in there, you know, just, you know, use the drill press and put a couple of little little things in there. So at least you get these little cores of um, epoxy that will stay and it, it stops any sort of glue run out because it's always got this little well that you go into so it stays in the knife as opposed to spitting out everywhere um but yeah you don't really you really don't need to be clamping hard anyway um and again the, the same with the corbys you know you don't really be, need to be taking those down too hard um you want that small let a small thin of a film of epoxy to do its thing can i add a note about corbys yeah sure. when you are tightening them down be careful because especially if they're the non-ferrous, meaning if they're brass, copper, um, bronze, something else other than like the stainless steel ones or any made out of steel. Some people turn their own 
Um, you can strip the threads, and I have done it, and it is a heart attack because you're in the. And it was early on when I was still using a, a lot more five minute epoxy. Um, I think actually when I was working for Bob Gramer, um, mix up the epoxy, slather it on everything, and then put everything together. And I torqued down the brass bolts too tight, and it just kept spinning and spinning and spinning. And I was like, "Fuck!" I stripped mm. the bolt, and so I had to run out into the shop, grab pliers, rip it all back apart, put new bolts in. Oh, it was a nightmare. It was not fun. So yeah. when you tighten those down, again, like you were just saying, Craig, you don't have to crank it down like you're trying to hold the whole fucking world together. You just got to, you know, finger tight. When when you yeah. said strip, you mean you, you rip the thread off. Rip, you rip the thread the, straight yeah, out. You rip yeah. the whole, that whole, sh you tick the head right off. You twisted the head off. Uh, no, not the head, the threads, just the threads. Yeah, the thread came off, and then the head, you pulled it out. Yeah. One thing I learned when we were doing fabrication is never trust the screws or the bolts mm. to, to be your vice. Sure. And we mm. would always clamp first and then snug the bolts down after it's clamped. So what I do is I'll start the, I'll put everything together, I'll start the Corby's, then I'll crank yeah. down on the clamps yeah, twist on yeah and then i will snug everything the corby's down to meet where it's done i'm not using the corby's as the vice mm -hmm. that's that's what yeah. the the problem that have and you're right i used to get corby's from this company and they were not good and the, the heads would just snap off one two three and i really kind of retrain myself to the old school ways of just like clamping it down and then finger tightening finger finger tight and then that's and just maybe a little bit a little bit more, but that's the move. You, the clamps are more important almost than the Corby's. The Corby's are just holding you in place after it's done. Yeah. Right. And and if you're listening and maybe you haven't used Corby's before and you think oh maybe brass is too soft and there's a risk of this maybe I'll go with stainless instead. Do yourself a favor and yeah. don't <laughs> because they're a nightmare to finish because generally the whatever handle material you're using will will yeah sort of sand down easier than the stainless bolts and you're left with these sort of protruding things it's not really nickel nice. plated lot, nickel plated a little, you get the same color and it's a little bit easier to work with a little mm. softer yeah yeah that would be yeah yeah look at that knife okay. talk i know wow jeez um let's talk about grinders then boys what are you using i'll tell you at blade show i was impressed to see and i think vince talked about it they had something special they're going to avail there they had their power hammer there. They have a pneumatic power hammer that they've designed and manufactured, and they had people slamming on wood there because they didn't have a forge and everything set up. But they they had chunks of two by four that they were beating on, and so people get a sense for how hard it hits. Um, what was it? Kyle Royer's dad was actually standing there. Uh, I think his name's Jeff, beating on a piece of wood when I walked up to say hi to everybody. Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, but in the meantime, I believe. Let me just double check the calendar. Oh God, when this comes out, it's going to be too late. Um, so at this point, you'll want to go back to the good old standards of uh, Knife Talk 100 and Knife Talk 200 to save yourself some money on um, the things. Oh my God, I can't find my sponsor thing. Okay, Knife Talk 200 will give you a discount of $200 off package, the max premium or mega packages, and. Uh, the Knife Talk 100 will give you the discount uh, off their sharpening system, surface grinder, and leather sewing machines. Uh, they're great grinders. They're like the Swiss Army knife of the shop. You can get six or seven machines in one. Um, 
they're great guys to makers really makers making grinders for makers obviously vince just got his js congratulations again um so go give them their love and support they've been awesome for us uh broadberg broadberg broadbeckironworks.com again make sure to use knife talk either 100 or 200 depending on what you're doing uh at checkout to save yourself a little cash there we go nice what have you got, Jeff? Have we got anything else? Well, we have listener feedback. Um, That's always good. That's always good. <laughs> it is always good. Uh, listener <laughs> feedback. If you want to send us messages, if you want to send us dumb things people say to you at knife shows, you want to send us listener feedback or questions for the show, you go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and send us a DM. We're very, I'm very act, we're very active on there and, and get you squared away. So this one comes from our friend Anvil Works. He says, here's some listener feedback about having to explain people why your knives are so expensive. Tell them it's something uh, worth what someone is willing to pay. A lot of work goes into these knives, and there are a lot of people who are willing to pay the price for this one. That's it. You don't owe them an explanation beyond that. People are willing to pay your price, and that's what it's worth. Hmm. People say the stupid... I'm telling you, this whole dumb things people say i mean we could just open the whole show up to dumb things people say in general in life <laughs> in life i actually speaking of which i had um this woman who sold hillary and i our house who've known us for a long i've known us for a long time i was i was in the supermarket and all of a sudden i hear oh joff 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 <laughs> and, and i'm like obviously i'm not thinking they're talking to me and then uh, i feel this hand on my back joff it's me and i said hi how are you she goes I said, why do you call me Joff? And she goes, well, that's your name. I'm like, no, you've known me for a long time. I know you sold her house. I know you saw it. You heard my wife call me. It's Jeff. And she says, but it's pronounced, but it's spelled Joff. And I'm like, fuck face. You can't tell me how my knife, my, my name is pronounced. And she was just like bewildered. I was like, you've known me for a long time. You still do this bullshit. People are so stupid. Joff, Joffrey, fucking here a whole. Th I mean, you, I mean, I didn't make the name up. I trust me, I wouldn't have picked it if I had the choice. Uh, Red knives yeah, says, "Oh, we never got your opinion on this, Craig." Uh, Red knives says, "A week late, but the bit, the bit between you and Ben talking about the dick mode into the king's lawn <laughs> might have been the funniest shit I've heard all year. Probably shouldn't have been driving that one time." Yeah. I did see it. Yeah, yeah, it was quite funny. There, there was a lot of stuff going on that week. That was the. We the, never got uh, your impression of the coronation. Um, I didn't really see much of it, to be honest with you. Um, okay. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> I didn't really see much of it, but, but I did see a lot of the stuff that was happening around it. Um, so the, the UK was very sort of polarized um, about having a new king. Um, where generally the younger generation are opposed to it, whereas the older generation um, seems still to love the monarchy. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's obviously the youngsters that are doing these pranks, the little pranksters. Um, but, yeah, that must have been some work doing that. Jeez. And what about Cyprus? How do they oh, feel yeah. about it in Cyprus? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, Rodney Philbin's kicked in. about. We were talking about customs. I got, oh, I got a pile of people telling me about customs lawrence lake sent me a message saying that i'm probably now on a list on a you know it becomes a real problem <laughs> yeah. listening to the podcast cbsa i think that's the customs of canada are on knives like 
stink on crap. A concern for me is that I insure packages for their value in case something happens. If the insurance says over $500 and the value and the item value is marked at 25 or whatever the discrepancy is, it seems like that would be a huge issue about getting your money best back in possible insurance fraud at worst. If you were to go to the store and buy a knife, you're going to pay taxes. The knives have already been marked up uh, by the company to cover import duties. No one ever questions paying tax until it's from the maker coming from the mail. Makers shouldn't be assumed mm. to take the possible risks to save the customer some money. It's like when customers ask me if I can do cash to save them the taxes for my main business. And I say no, because the, as a customer, you won't get audited. But as the government has all my numbers and accounts at their fingertips, why it's always... Uh, why is it always the maker's business owner, maker's slash business owner that's supposed to be doing the good Samaritan and saving people money? Mm. I don't know if you heard last week, but uh, I got an email from Canadian Customs, and they were none too happy with me. Um, and and I ended up getting them, and I gave them, they wanted the real value after they looked into what my, <laughs> after looking into what my, uh, you know, business was by looking up the website. Yeah. Over, I mean, this is like, this is the best you got. And I got a ton of people saying that this is a real big problem in Canada. They're just like all over you. And actually, just got a message from uh, a, a, a message from uh, our friend J Mod Knives, who had to add to it. Um, Canadian Customs. He says, uh, one time we were on a skate trip. He's a skateboarder uh, from Arizona to New York, and went through Toronto on the way. We had a photographer with us who was shooting with film, and when we got to the Canadian border, these assholes went through all the camera gear, and all the photographer asked was not to open the back of the cameras because there was film would be exposed mm. to the right, and it'll, and it'll be ruined. Of course, he opened yeah. it, and he proceeded to ask what was so important on that camera roll. The photographer res responded, only priceless memories of my friends that I'll never get back. Yeah, Canada is cool, but fuck their customs. Uh, thanks for everything you guys do. So I did get a lot of messages about customs. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard a very similar story this week actually, um, of um, recording studios. Now most things are digital, but they used to be big reel-to-reel -reel tapes. And um, quite often, let's say you know you'd go to America to do the vocals or whatever it may be, and you'd have to, or even to take the for the record company to hear the demos, you'd have to take the tapes over, and that'd be expensive. So you'd have to fly over with them and so on. But yeah, stories of you know them going through magnetic uh, oh. machines to uh, you know X-ray machines and that kind of thing, and completely destroying you know six months of recording that kind of oh, thing. You Christ. know, crazy. Yeah, crazy. yeah it's the, the 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 it's it's becoming harder and harder to try to do business, and these kind mm. of small niche companies like what we do, dealing with international has never been a problem for me and for some reason the last two the list last month i've had two major issues luckily for me with the guy in canada i sent a message he sent me a message saying um my customer saying uh, i got a message saying that uh your the knife is in customs and you're supposed to do something like i'm supposed to do something or it was something mm -hmm. like the seller needs something and i wrote back to him and i said i said yeah the canadian customs asked me for all these questions which we gave them immediately and they said it'd be fine and my my uh, my customer wrote back. He's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Thanks for getting back to me." He's like, "Your government is just as useless as ours," and that was pretty much <laughs> the end of it. So, yeah, things are getting difficult and even more difficult by the week. It's, do yeah, you think it's, it's becoming? Do you a real think problem. it's because we're so interconnected with the with the internet and, and social media that we almost expect everything to be easier? 
Maybe. Maybe things have always been really difficult. But now, yeah, possibly now we're just hearing about it more and, you know... Yeah, possibly. And I you don't won't know. even, don't you know. especially, I have stuff to send you. You won't even let me send it to you because you don't want to pay it. No, you get it. You have to pay for a what, gift. Yeah, and who knows what that cost will be, too. Uh, yeah? Actually, I've, I've had plenty of stuff here I've signed for and paid, you know, you know, so, you know, in the tens of pounds, not hundreds, only for like some shit trinket, which is worth, you know, cents. You know, you don't know what it is either, and you don't know what the, you're paying for something. You don't know what it is, and the cost can vary. There's, there doesn't seem to be any, any sort of system. I there. have something for it's you. Crazy. I was sent a website, and I'm going to look for it. I'm going to look for it because I sent it to Allison. Um, it is a website. It's a customs calculator. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just keep just just. The problem is each carrier then will have their own rules as well, well it's, and they, they'll apply their own admin charges and so on on top of that. But it's 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 supposed to give you it's there there I guess I'm I'm assuming that there are uh, customs calculators uh, all over the internet that can help you try to negotiate exactly how much it might be. Yeah, yeah, and you can use third parties to do that for you as well. But as I said, that when you're using when you're using the third party carrier then as well who's doing the shipping, they'll all have their own costs. And these just seem to vary wildly. Um, You're sending the same thing twice. The, the, the costs will be massively different. Well, it's, it's just really hard to One of our from. listeners sent it to me is T. Jacobs Knives sent, I was listening to Full Blast the other day and Knife Talk yesterday, so I heard that you, what you had. I used to do shipping and receiving for HP, and they, and, uh, they send shit over, all over the world. You, uh, there's a site called simpleduty.com. Not duty. <laughs> duty? It's, not, it's D-U-T-Y, not D-O-O-D-I-E. Simpleduty.com. Um, and that, that, is, that I think it, what it's supposed to do is supposed to kind of like estimate what the customs cost is going to be. I can mm. see it. Oh, no. SimpleDuty.com is for sale. Buy the domain for $4,000. Oh, Jesus. Things are going well. <laughs> oh, Jesus. T.J. Jacob, not. It's fucking SimpleDuty.com. Maybe it's SimpleDuty. Maybe it was SimpleDuty. Yeah. yeah SimpleDuty.com yeah. is Real for sale. Real SimpleDuty, T. Jacobs. Real SimpleDuty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you know what we haven't told people about? In Dasa Rhino Wet. Um, we don't about we don't about hand sanding earlier, um, and I think if you're going to be hand sanding, use the best stuff. It'll save you time, and at the end of the day, it's going to save you money. In Dasa Rhino Wet, they do the red line stuff. They do all the grits you could possibly need, from you know right up to sort of three thousand um, down to sort of in the twenties, I believe, maybe even rougher. Um, but yeah, go take a look at um, In Dasa, and you can get that from TexasFarrowSupply.com as well, and you get that ten percent off. Remember. Um, so yeah, and if you're, I think if you're in the, in Canada, you can also get it from uh, Maritime Life Supply as well. Um, <laughs> it's the best stuff. Make sure you use yeah. it in Dasa. Lawrence has the uh, Rhino stick. It's pretty slick stuff. Oh, does yeah. he know? <laughs> Talk about simple duty. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's not simple duty. It's simply duty. Sim- oh, right, I mean, okay. sim- simply duty. S i m p l y d u t y. Simple duty. Simply duty. Got it. Simply duty. <laughs> We're I'm so that, silly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, globalization uh, provides importers and exporters with access to markets. Uh, who cares? I'm not reading this shit. Five, uh, five free calculations per day when you're at. Eh, yeah, so you can figure out. They want you to pay. What are you gonna do? 
Okay, we've fair enough. enough. Um, where are we? Should we just do a couple of questions yeah, and then um, off with it? Okay. okay. What? Where are Is we? that a... What? Off with it. Oh, sorry. Off with it. And then off with it. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Paul Jansen. Do you want to take this one, Sure, Marco? he says, I have a question for etching cable Damascus. I do uh, everything the same way I do with regular Damascus, but I'm getting inconsistent results. Is there something different I need to do for cable? This is my fourth piece out of cable, and each one has etched dif- differently. Um, it sounds like I, there's still. Uh, I, w- I would say I need more specific details. Um, part of the problem with doing cable Damascus um, is that usually the strands in the cable are all the same kind of steel. So it's like, say say you're doing a standard Damascus stack up, and instead of mixing in 15 and 20 with the 1080 and stuff, you just did straight 1080 and expecting a pattern. So cable does create a pattern, but I think most of the pattern comes from the, uh, even though it's all the same material, the pattern comes from some of the carb decarburized surface between those individual strands that's helping to kind of show a type of a pattern but um it does sometimes have a tendency to look a bit mono steel um there are some special um cables i've heard of that uh have like a nickel coating um and the nickel coating is supposed to or some sort of nickel coating is supposed to help with um what is it? it uh, the the c- corrosion, corrosion resistance, but that those uh, pa- uh, cables really like the cable pattern really shows up in those. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, it, part of the hard part with with the cable is that if you if it gets a good long soaks and gets all the things you want to do typically for Damascus patterns, uh, especially when you're doing a plate layup to get everything to stick properly and everything to weld nicely. Um, the carbon will diffuse throughout the material and then you won't have so much of that decarburized surface around each individual strand. Everything will have leveled out. And when it goes to etch, it will be, it can be very difficult to see the difference in those patterns. Um, so I think if, if you don't know if it has a special coating on it or something like that, uh, you might, it might behoove you to, you definitely want to get it stuck obviously, cause you want it to be a solid piece of material, but not maybe necessarily spend too much time letting it soak and forging out. Like, you know, you, you kind of, you want it to solidly stick and then forge a blade out as quickly as you can, uh, to help keep, um, kind of like those areas of decarburization so that you have a slight difference in etching and appearance in, in the cable, um, when you go to etch. What do you think, Craig? Uh, yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> nail on the head, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say if you're using cable, I don't know, but I'd imagine if you're using cable made from different sources, it's that sort of mystery steel as well, I suppose. You don't, don't really know what you're working right. with. Um, and I suppose cleaning that, you know, wouldn't be easy either. Oh, uh, you got to kind of but, burn you know, shit off. And honestly, rope like, inside. do I know? What's that? Is there rope and grease inside? No. There, there, there's often there's grease but not usually rope on the inside i mean some cables i'm sure have rope on the inside but yeah usually the stuff people are using to make damascus with is solid steel huh. cable huh. but also some cable uh, steel 
uh, some cable has like a zinc or galvanized like coating and stuff. And you want to be careful with that because mm. if, when that you can kind of, you can burn that off. But in the action of burning that off, you've got to make sure you're working in a ventilated space because you can get uh, zinc poisoning because then it's in the air. And uh, you zinc poisoning is pretty fucking rough. Um, yeah. Muriatic eats off zinc. Yeah, Galvanized. there you go. That's another move too. But that's probably one and done. Ugh, yeah, for the I'm, not, I'm not giving you suggestions. I don't, I don't want to... I think sure. we've gone down this road before, and then we talk about zinc zinc welding and stuff like that. And it was just like, yeah, it's bad shit. Yeah. 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 You look down the list, Jeff, uh, for a good one. I'm going to tell everybody about Knifeprint. Uh, Knifeprint.com. Um, it's, it's, it's CAD. It's designing knives in a browser. Um, so 2D CAD. Um, it'll render as a 3D model as well, so you can see exactly how your knife would look. They've got special tools, um, you know, that are specific to knife making. So it's not just like a normal CAD program. Nothing to download, all in the browser. So there's no crazy licensing fees and all the rest of it. Um, it's brilliant. But the, the best thing about KnifePrint.com is once you've designed your knife, um, which is super easy, by the way, as well. There's, there's, there's lots of stuff to show you how to do it if you've never done it before. But once you have designed your knife, um, hit print. And you can do the obvious thing, which is, you know, print to paper and use that as a template. Or they'll actually cut it out of steel for you. You, you pick your stock, um, your thickness, and, um, yeah, they'll get it laser jet or water jet cut for you and ship it straight out to you. And the prices are really, really good. Uh, so take a look. And um, I've just got an add-on here as well, just saying that um, they, they've just put up some Masterclass video series as well. Um, and they've got a few episodes up. So uh, Dennis Terrell has just done one. You know, he's shown you how to use knife print, how to use the editor and design your knives, mm. that kind of thing. Really worth going to take a look. Knifeprint.com. Um, it's yeah, it's super super cool. It's the future, man. What have you got, Jeff? Uh, let's get on the list. Oh, Brody says, "Hey fellas, recently bought a plunge plunge platen for my gr- uh, for my grinder. What are your thoughts on it? Does it replace hand sanding or assist? Cheers." So, pl- I don't so know there, what that means. it's like a. No. I think Broadback's selling one, and it's basically it, go, oh, it, it yeah. goes the waterfall platen. Waterfall platen. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes to the top of the of the grinder belt, and then it has a radius, and it just drops down, so you can do a satin finish, and you can put. Am I explaining it correctly? You, yeah, just, yeah. You just you lay the blade on the platen lengthwise, and it goes right into that plunge uh, to clean things up. Right. Oh, I think yeah, I think I understand. Yeah. Um, okay. What are your thoughts on it? Does it replace hand sanding or assist? I don't think so. Um, it'll help. It'll. I mean, it'll help for sure. But I don't think so. I mean, it's this. It's the same concept as the as the integral platen, where you're kind of. Tr- it depends on the type of plunge line you you want. If you want one of them crispy ass ABS plunge lines, I don't think it's going to help you. Sure. Uh, I think the radiuses are like eighth inch and something else, but it might be. I mean, depending on your your knife design, it might be uh, great. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten my hands on one. Um, I don't assume it's going to change hand sanding for me. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the reason it won't help. I mean, it'll help, but it won't replace it. Is because you, you know you you're just kind of slapping the knife on there, and it's difficult to control. Like, I mean, I'm sure somebody can figure it out and work it out. And maybe great for them, but I think for most people, you're probably going to still want to get in there uh, with a sanding stick and hand sand. Um, and also, honestly, like taking it up, once you get up to the, the finer grip belts, um, that that belt joint 
is going to be an issue, especially in that tight corner. Um, and again, while it can do a good job cleaning things up, I don't think it's going to, it, it will never, uh, replace, um, a hand sanded finish to get everything really mm. nice and clean and consistent and flowing the same direction. Um, yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. Shall we call yeah. it a day? Let's do it. It's been a good show. Good to be back, the three of us. For now, boy. For now. Yeah. For now. Right then. <laughs> <laughs> for now. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a sec. Thanks for listening. We should speak to you all again next week. Bye for now. Right, Jeff, are you looking for time off here? Send a letter into HR with the well, dates I mean, and we'll see what we can do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring my computer and a microphone, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to... Well, next week, I just don't know if That's I'm going to be able to don't worry. do it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry. You don't want, you don't want that on your mind. Well, as yeah, as my family's else. coming for work. So I'm going to be teaching one week, the first weekend, and then my wife and daughter are going to come out for her, my, you know, the... the, the the class is kind of offset the price of of us going over there as a as like mm. a yeah yeah. We haven't yeah. gone on vacation. We were just thinking about it. We haven't gone on vacation in four years as a family. Wow. Wow. Four years. Nice. Wow. Yeah, don't worry about it. We we we've got you covered. The last thing you need to do is be you know worried about making sure you got all the equipment well, with you and all the rest of you it. Know, it's it's fine. I got. Well, I mean, when Tomer's going to want to do something, so yeah. I and I'm going to be out. And I don't get back from Hawaii until the twentieth. The earliest I could record would be the twenty second. Let me pull up a calendar. <laughs> this is real. This is the real back office. Oh, back office. Let's... Did you say back alley? Yeah. Back office, my man. Easy. Um, so Jeff, you're waiting next I'll week. I'll be back on the on the nineteenth. Okay, so you're to wait for the next two Fridays. Okay, and. Well, well, no, no, it's one this Friday. Is next, this is going out the next Monday. Yeah, this is going out on the 12th anyway. Yeah. Um, so then, yes, yeah, the 16th you miss it. And Morocco, you're missing I'll miss days? the 16th as well. Okay. Well, I've got a note on my calendar for the 16th of a kid-free night. Ooh. Dude, you should do so, a, a solo drunken episode. I've got better plans to do with a kid-free oh, okay. night. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Go to sleep early? <laughs> oh, now that this is... What are you going to do? Well, let's not what go into mean? it, but um, <laughs> going to start working on another Lockwood. There, there's oh, no more Lockwoods shit. coming. I can tell oh, you that. Shit. Oh, did but, you get uh, the snip? No, wow, it's, that's, it's, a, it's that's a, a very personal. It's a bone of contention bone around of here contention. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't, but there's, there's pressure. Should we sure. say? Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to. I think at some point. Yeah, because you're you a know. machine. <laughs> i mean think about the last when you started knife talk with us you were like there were nothing going on and then all of a sudden boop boop boop, boop three <laughs> yeah, babies but yeah i mean yeah yeah <laughs> i i uh i made i made my daughter we last night was uh the awards sports awards and my daughter got this great award for she the highest grade point average of any of the varsity athletes in the school. So she got this great award. Right. So we were taking pictures and we were taking pictures with her uh, football coaches and the football coaches like, Oh, I hear Lila's going to California. And then she turns to us. He turns, he turns to us and says, well, what are you guys going to do when she's gone? And I said, I said, well, Hillary seems to think we're going to have another kid. 
And I said, well, it had nothing to do with me, that's for sure. <laughs> Lila was so mad at me. She was, she, I was so embarrassed, Dad. I'm like, what? I'm, I mean, we were making a joke. Making a joke. Yeah, I ain't fucking kids. Yeah. I, I, trust me, there ain't no more fucking kids. I ain't having, <laughs> having any more kids. 50-year-old dad. That's it's what pretty, my dad had me when he was 50, and he was it was not yeah. good. Robert De Niro is in the papers this uh, week. Al Pacino. Al Pacino, sorry, yes, yes, yeah. Yikes. Wow. And he's asking for a paternity yeah. test. Because I don't think he, he don't believe he don't believe he could do it either. You know? Yeah. Can you Jeez. imagine? Madness. Madness. So what should we do? Should we should we have a a fallow week? Should I just like cobble a few of the better? I, I, I can't do that. That's it's just too much. What work if we just threw it back to an older bits. episode? Did uh, like a throwback episode? Yeah. Hmm. Shall we let one of the Fleabag podcasts take over for the week? Whoa, like a guest p- uh, episode? Yeah. Which yeah, Fleabag would, would we even Ooh. ask? Oh, They need God. to send in their They're, applications. I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> About housework. I wish you got fucking Fingal to do it. But Yeah. <laughs> by himself? Or Fingal and like you know you know oh, would, would be really yeah. good. Fingal and Noah are like the two of them. You know, if you want to get a flea yeah. bag, come on, just don't tell me about it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, I mean, Fingal's got this whole little community of Irish makers down there might, now. Maybe he'd want to, you know, get them together. But he doesn't have the whole the, the whole them. access to the the setter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, if anybody's listening and they've got any ideas, oh, God, send to them you, on a, to on a you postcard. directly to Craig Lockwood <laughs> at gmail dot com. Don't fucking send it to me or don't send it to DMs. Or I don't want to deal with it. I'm going away. No. Okay. Okay. Don't don't worry, Jeff. We've got you. We'll sort something out. We'll oh, sort something. Flea bag. Unbelievable. The flea bag takeover. That's what it would be called. The flea bag. We should get fucking over. Kyle. Get Kyle to do it. Let's see if he's really the number. You know what? I suggest we get Kyle. Let's stick him in the hot get seat. Kyle. Let's see if we can handle the pressure. Call Kyle. <laughs> Laren Thomas says he's his favorite podcaster. Kyle. Kyle and Laren the show. The Kyle and Laren show. Let's see what genius comes out of this one. Come on, Kyle. You're on the chopping block now. <laughs> Laren Thomas. Well, there we go then. We've got the 16th off. Kyle, the Kyle, on. it's all you, big, big boy. Get yourself, get yourself the mad reads. Don't ask me for nothing. You, you listen to this podcast. I know it. I'm just kidding, Kyle. You're my guy. You're my guy. Kyle's my guy. Right. That's a show. I'm sure of it. Thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you again next week. Bye. We won't. Yeah, we will. We will next week. Somebody else will the week. We don't know what's going on here. We don't know what date is what, but uh, somebody will be here next week. Bye for now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.